everyone, welcome back to Pugs and Pages. My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different hobbies, and we try to bring each other into our interests by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. And today is the least favorite for everyone, the sports episode. I can't argue with that. Well, looking at our listeners, you'd be right. Yeah. (laughs) But it is our final sports episode before our mid-season break. We're going to take a week off next week. I'm totally excited about that because it will also be me playing with equipment that will let us do really cool things in the future. So I plan on abusing it kind of a little for work, just for the podcast work. Yeah, I'm I'm not excited about tech stuff, so (laughs) whatever. But... We're also going to be camping. I am driving up to Oklahoma for family stuff that I have to do. And I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be more tired than I am now. Hopefully not. That would be the opposite of the purpose of a vacation. Right. And it's more like a staycation. But we're going to go camping. And we'll definitely be still posting things on the social media because I have some fun things planned for Liberty that she doesn't know yet, which is going to be great. I just hope it involves books. It will, partially, and animals, so it'll be a combination of two of your favorite things. But before we get to that, we've got to discuss what's happened around the different leagues this past week, and wow, was it a lot. Yeah, it was a week of signings and letting go of players and trading players, and the list goes on. And people on a hot mic and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I, I figured you were going to talk about that a li- at least a little bit. I know I had to explain it to a couple people this week who were like, we're hockey fans. And I'm like, well, if you don't understand what was wrong with it, then you're not a hockey fan. Right. Like, but let's start with that this week. We're going to talk about the NHL first, just to deal with the elephant in the room. We've got, <laughs> is it Tim Peel? Well, you're about as prepared as the people I've had to explain it to. Yes, Tim Peel. I just have it buried in my notes because I actually did all my notes like during the week and that happened like later in the week. But referee Tim Peel is no longer going to be working NHL games following his comments on a hot mic during the game on March 23rd. Basically, he was just doing a call to make up for a call from the first period, which happens... In the NHL, I'm sure it happens in other sports as well, where it's like, that wasn't really anything to get called, and they did it just because they had a bad call earlier. Yeah. The penalty call that he made, there was no contact hardly at all. Like, it was probably one of the softest penalty calls I've seen, and for obvious reasons now that we know. Yeah. He admitted in a hot mic that he was trying to make up for a call that he missed in... The first period. And it's like, ah, like, A, that shouldn't be happening ever in any sport. Like, ethically, it's just not okay. Period. everyone understands that this happens, and that's why what the NHL came out and said was so wrong. Like, that was almost worse than what this guy did and admitted to on a mic, because players know it happens, coaches know it happens, refs know it happens. The fans should know that it happens. Can we agree that it's not... A thing that should happen, period, and the organization should handle it the way that they handled the situation, in my mind, for all incidents like that. They shouldn't have these makeup calls, I agree, but it happens. Yeah. And, like, the NHL trying to assert that this isn't a thing, that we're worried about the integrity of the game, and that this person just can't be a ref anymore, like, that is sweeping the issue under the rug. 
I agree that it shouldn't be a thing, but that doesn't mean it's not. I think holding them accountable is important. It's the right first step, but I also believe that you're right. They've been kind of ignoring it for a long time. Until they couldn't anymore. Well, until it was blatant. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, he admitted on the microphone that he did it. Yeah. And it's like, what did you expect to happen? You can't sweep it under the rug at that point. It's so blatant that it's like, if you don't do anything, then you're also even worse than you already are. So like, I get that your opinion on it, obviously. I just, I, I guess I disagree on that subject just because of the fact that it needed to be handled. It needed to be out. Now that's out of the room, you know, we take care of it in, in that instance. I don't know. Just... Well, and like some commentators have been saying, basically you're going to see refs trying to like clean up their act right now because they don't want to lose their jobs either. They're under the spotlight. And now it's going to be more like playoff hockey where it's like, let them play. I love it. It's whatever. And we've already seen that a little bit since this happened with referee Tim Peel. So... I don't know. We'll see how everything shakes out. I feel like we're going to go back to the same, like, I didn't make the right call before. Let me make up for it here. You're still going to see it, I feel like. It shouldn't exist, but it does. Yeah. I don't think referees should be afraid to make the proper calls on the ice. So, like, it shouldn't be playoff hockey where they let a lot of stuff go. But at the same time, we it just shouldn't happen. Period. Yeah. Well, and I... I feel like it's not necessarily going to be that they're afraid to make calls, but it's more like, I made the wrong call here, so if I do something for the other team, that's going to look like I'm trying to make up for it, when really it was a penalty, so I'm not going to call it now, and I'll wait and call something else later. Yeah. And so it's like, I just think they're going to be making weirder calls I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah. But something I didn't appreciate with this whole thing was finding out that he technically wasn't fired. He was just not scheduled for any games in the future because he's so close to retirement. He's supposed to retire at the end of the season. Yeah. So they're still going to let him retire at the end of the season, but technically it's starting now that he's not refereeing anymore. Yeah. He's basically suspended without pay, and they're going to let him retire at the end of all this. Basically. It was weird seeing all these articles that were like, he was terminated. I'm like, no, he was not. Well, and it was worded very carefully. And like, if you weren't paying attention, then it looked like he was fired, but he wasn't fired. Yeah. That was part of, like, a lot of the clarification I had to give to some of the hockey fans in my store, so. Yeah. But I'm going to jump back to COVID news because we had a team get some games postponed this past week. The Montreal Canadiens have had three more games postponed because of COVID protocols. Given the shortened season, three games is a lot. Yeah. That's, what, almost 10%? Yeah, but they're being postponed. They're not canceled so they're still good to play them it's just but that's gonna tack on to the end of the season and and compress even more into the weeks that's the way the nhl's mostly been doing it they're just like and we're adding a game here well like was it last week we had five games in seven days or something ridiculous because Mm -hmm. of the compressed season and the way everything's working out Mm -hmm. so i don't envy them trying to make up those three games towards the end of the season we only have six weeks left of regular season hockey that's not a lot of time to make up three games and the plan is that they're not going to play again until after sunday march 28th the canadians were scheduled to play the edmonton oilers on wednesday and friday but the teams had their game both games postponed monday after montreal forwards joel armia and jesperi kotkinimi I don't have the name in front of me, so I'm going to trust your 
Probably not best attempt at That's what it looked like. (laughs) They were both placed on protocol. And the game against the Ottawa Senators has been canceled as well or postponed. Pending test results, the Canadians might be able to reopen their facilities on Monday, March 29th. And might is the operative word there because they won't know till they find out how the tests shake out. Interesting. I mean, it seems like, you know, you have one team over here who can't get it under control. And then a couple weeks later, it's some other team who can't get it under control. So I would like to go back into bubbles, honestly, until everything gets figured out. But that's been your stance since the bubbles. Right. So I'm not shocked. Let's just always have them in bubbles all the time. Sounds like an awful decision. It does. But I just I want them to be healthy and I want to have full seasons and I don't want the season to get canceled. And like, I feel like the safest way to make sure I can still have hockey in my life is to put them in bubbles. Well, here's the good news a little bit on the COVID front. Uh, The Canadian government approved seven day quarantines for NHL players acquired before the trade deadline from the United States. Yeah. So they don't have to wait all two weeks to start playing. And as we'll see later, that's already affecting some players. So, yeah. But for player health, we have Austin Watson, who's going to be out four to six weeks for the Ottawa Senators with a hand injury. He was injured blocking a shot in the game against the Calgary Flames on Monday, March 22nd. That's the rest of the season, basically. I want to say that, like, hand injuries are bad, but, like, it's worse to take it to, like, the neck or the head. But at the same time, it's just like... I couldn't imagine taking a puck to the hand. I feel like that would be awfully painful, even with those like thick gloves that they wear. Well, on top of that, the speed that these are being oh, shot yeah. and the fact that you're going to have a hard time holding your stick when your hand's all bruised and injured. Yeah. It's still mind-boggling to me how long defensemen sometimes careers go for the way they take the wear and tear. Well, and you, you're seeing it more nowadays that forwards are also blocking shots. And it's like, you need your body. What are you doing? Right. You're important for the offense. Like, it's good that you're playing defense, but stop it. Right. And you have Tyler Toffoli, who will be out at least the Sunday game for the Montreal Canadiens because of a lower body injury. He was injured late in the game against the Vancouver Canucks on Friday, March 19th. So he's out through this Sunday, I believe. Yeah. And then a big one is that you had Tuka Rask, who's going to be out at least two games for the Boston Bruins because of an upper body injury. And then even more bad goalie news for the Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo Sabres' Carter Hutton uh, left the game early on Monday after a collision with the Rangers forward Julian Gauthier. He is still being diagnosed for his injuries. They don't really know. It was that weird leg one, right? Yeah. His leg got twisted under him during the game when that happened. We assume it'll be a lower body injury because that's what they call everything related from the hips below. But in the NHL, they never really enlighten you to what extent the injuries are very often. So uh, I'm sure later this week we'll, we'll find out a little bit more detail-wise I'm just hoping he didn't tear anything. That video looked bad. Yeah, legs aren't supposed to bend like that. Like, I know goalies are really flexible, but still, it's just like... And in regular NHL news, the NHL draft lottery changes have been announced this week for 2021. The 2021 draft lottery will be reduced from three drawings to two, and the changes will determine the order of the draft for the teams that do not qualify for the Stanley Cup. So we're hoping this doesn't involve our teams, but who knows? 
Yeah, basically the, the big portion of that change is the fact that the last place team can't slide more than third place down the table, which is kind of nice. For I think picks. that is good yeah. because like they did so poorly, let the, at least let them kind of win something out of that. Well, and then you had like the Rangers last year who really weren't that bad of a team somehow got the first pick. It's like, what? That didn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. But the rest of the changes are for the next season's draft, not this one, but 2022, um, which included clubs are going to be able to move up a maximum of 10 spots with the lottery drawings. So um, the percentages will still go all the way back. You just will only be able to move up a maximum of 10 spots. I feel like all these changes just make how it happens harder. Yeah. Like, it's good that they're doing these things, but I feel bad for the people who are putting the draft lottery together. So basically the the 11th place team is the last team that would have a percentage chance at the first pick in the draft, which right. I think is good. Normally there's 16 teams that are in the running for that first spot. So it's like half the NHL has the opportunity, a slim percentage yeah. of getting the first pick, which is insanity. Also in 2022, no team can win the draft lottery more than twice across a five-year period. Yeah. So I think that will keep teams from purposely tanking just to rebuild. Well, but the wins in the lottery prior to 2022 won't be counted. Right. So like, it's like you, starting fresh. You could have technically a team do it three times yeah. in a row, and then it would become a thing. Yeah. I don't know. I always hate the NHL draft, and I know that I'm, like, one of the few people who watches sports and doesn't like the draft, but those are good changes. Yeah. Also, this week, we had a signing for the Montreal Canadiens. They finally were able to sign their 15th overall pick from the 2019 NHL draft prospect Cole Caulfield to an entry-level contract. He was signed to a three-year contract. Dollars were not discussed in public, but his NCAA career ended last week. So, you know, time to get him signed to a big boy contract. You also had Matt Roy. Is that how you say it? It's R-O-Y, but I never pronounce it correctly. R-O-Y? Yes. That would be Roy. But every time I say that for someone, you say, no, it's Raw. Well, it could be Raw. Anyway. I thought you said Roth. I was like, no. Roth? I'm like, where, where do you get the TH? I'm so confused. Anyway, Matt, this guy, mm-hmm. has signed a three-year, $9.45 million contract with the LA Kings. It has an AAV of $3.15 million. And every time we talk about NHL contracts, I'm like, it sounds like so much. And then I we go and talk about the NBA or the NFL, and you're like, oof, they really don't get paid that well. Right? Yeah. And their bodies get wrecked. I was like, going to say, they are wrecked. abused far more than a lot of the athletes. I'd say the only other sport, really, that compares is the NFL. So, Sure. Trevor Van Riemsdyk signed a two-year one point nine million dollar contract with the Washington Capitals. It has an AAV of $950,000 a year. As good as a defenseman as he is, it always hurts my soul to see him get such small contracts. Yeah. Because like he's one of those guys that will lay his body on the line for literally any reason at all. It's sad. You had Alexander Volkov, Volkov? He was traded to the Anaheim Ducks by the Tampa Bay Lightning on Wednesday. The Lightning received forward prospect Antoine Morand and a seventh round NHL draft pick. It was predominantly a cap space move. The prospect was a nice touch to it based on what I was hearing anyways. Considering they're about to bring back, I'm blanking on his name right now, Kucherov. He's going to bump their salary cap over so they have to move some people before trade deadline. Ah. 
Because right now he's on LTIR, which means he's not a cap hit. So kind of got to make room for somebody like that. Yeah. You had Eric Stahl, who was traded to the Montreal Canadiens by the Buffalo Sabres on Friday for a third round and a fifth round pick in the 2021 NHL draft. Stahl is in the final season of a two-year, $6.5 million contract, and the Sabres will retain $1.625 million of his salary. If I had to take a pick as to who got the better end of the deal, it's definitely the Canadians on that side of that. Yeah. It's just, it was so one-sided. I know that Buffalo is going to be on a fire sale over the next couple weeks before the deadline. So um, don't be surprised if we hear Buffalo's name a lot more when we come back from our break because that will be pretty much deadline week. So Well, and this is what I was saying earlier. Stahl arrived on Saturday to the team, but... He has to have a seven-day quarantine before yeah. he can start practicing and playing with the team. Right. But at least it's only seven days and not two weeks. Because like I said, six weeks out from playoffs, roughly. Yeah, it's not a, so bad to be down a player for a week when, A, you're already skipping games because it's the Canadians. Yeah. So it's really not too bad of a situation. Technically, he's going to miss less than a week of work, basically. Yeah. The New York Rangers also traded Brendan Lemieux to the LA Kings. The Rangers received a 2021 fourth round draft pick. It was more of a, we've got too many forwards in New York and the Kings needed a forward. So it was truly just a good deal for both teams, I think, in that instance. We have some interesting scoring news this week. Obviously, we can start it off with your Penguins, Sidney Crosby, becoming the eighth fastest player to reach 1,300 career points. Yes. He reached the number in only 1,017 games, so he's averaging more than a point a game, which is pretty insane. Yes. Yeah. But the biggest news of the week and kind of last week together, and we watched a show about it a little bit, uh, Mika Zibanejad and his just terrifying assault of the Flyers. You love to see it until you realize that they're in the same freaking division Division as you. Yeah. Makes me sad. You, you sounded very excited and you're like, oh my God, somebody just hit your dog or something. Like, Well, see, <laughs> here's the thing. Like, you're excited to see the Flyers absolutely lose, just completely burn out and it's wonderful. But then you realize you have to play that person that did the damage and yeah. it's scary. He's the second player in the history of the NHL to do this in a regular season against a team with six points in two games against a team. However, it is... Six points in each game. Yes, six points in each game in each of the two games, I should say. But he's the first player to ever do it in back-to-back meetings with that same organization. Yeah. So each game he had a hat trick and three assists. So, oof. Well, the Flyers on that did one. they play different goalies or did they have the same goalie? They were different goalies. Yeah, uh, I would think so. Yeah, I would. God, I, I would be absolutely ruined if I was the same goalie and that happened twice. Oh, you would have been pulled so fast. Yeah. We also had some fines this week because people don't know how to play properly. I love the little dance you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The NHL announced on Tuesday, March 23rd, that the San Jose Sharks forward Curtis Gabriel has been fined $3,017.24, which is the maximum allowable under the CBA, and that Sharks head coach Bob Bonner, I think is how you say his name, has been fined $5,000 following an altercation prior to the game on Monday, March 22nd. 
Additionally, the Sharks have been assessed a conditional fine of $25,000, which will be collected in addition to any subsequent discipline in the event of similar inappropriate behavior through March 22nd of 2022. And the fine money goes to the NHL Foundation for this one. Oof. I mean, I, I've never heard of a conditional fine before this. I don't know if it's a thing, but I've never heard of it until now. It's Bob Bugner. Pretty sure that's not how you say that name. That is 100% how it is pronounced based off of Wikipedia's pronunciation of it. He's also known as the Boogeyman. Maybe uh, that is how you say it. That seems yeah. wrong. Well, he's Canadian, so who knows? Like, just Bugner. a weird pronunciation. Yeah. That's a lot of fines, though. Yeah. And a conditional one that you have to be on your best behavior for a whole freaking year. On top of that, for a team who's already just hot garbage this season. So just kick them while they're down a little bit. But you also had individual players themselves getting fined. Philadelphia Flyers forward Samuel Morin has been fined $3,017.24 for unsportsmanlike conduct against New York Rangers forward Brendan Lemieux during the game on Thursday. Then Arizona Coyotes forward Nick Schmaltz has been fined $5,000 for boarding San Jose Sharks defenseman Radim Simek during the game on Friday. And that money goes to the Players' Emergency Assistance Fund. And I think that's all the fines I had. Well, to add to that, I don't have any fines, but we did have some good goal scoring yesterday. We actually had two hat tricks in the league. Uh, One by Phil Kessel, the ex-Penguin, also team-leading scorer for the Coyotes. Got his hattie yesterday, which He's was... He's a good player. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of the trade, yeah. but whatever. I would say that's the one trade where I'm like, hmm. And I know it was a cap space move, so I'm not, like, angry about it. Like, I understand why it had to happen, but it wasn't the best trade in the world for you guys. But, that being said, you also had a hat trick yesterday From for Rust. your team. For Brian Rust, so... In Rust we trust. Definitely. Arguably, they were both beautiful hat tricks. Yeah. I would say they were, because they were both completed on empty net goals, technically, so yeah, it, there's really not anything to be like, woo, about for... I mean, I feel like you kind of have to be a little bit woo about any hat trick. trick. Well, yeah, it's a hat trick, yeah. I mean, it's three goals in one night. Have you ever done three goals in one night? No. All right. Have you? Definitely not. Okay, there we go. So everything's settled. Neither of us have had a hat trick. But if I did, I would go woo... <laughs> just like that huh only if it's october mine sounded a little ghostly. yeah i was gonna say but yeah congratulations to those two players obviously both some of the hardest working players in the nhl we won't take that away from them so and the last piece of nhl news i have is i don't know would this be weird i don't know weird ish nhl news the anaheim ducks wore their mighty ducks movie jerseys when entering the arena in minnesota this past week They wore the jerseys worn by the Minnesota-based team from the 1992 Disney movie. And they've released a full line of District 5 merchandise, including hats, sweatshirts, and the green jersey in their store. I think it's great. Obviously, if you don't know the history of the Ducks, the owner of the organization at one time was Disney Corporation, so... It's just a little weird because, like, they were... The team was Minnesota-based for the movie. Yeah. But then you have the Anaheim Ducks. It's the the state of hockey. You had to know that that's where it was going to be filmed. I'm just saying, like, that's a little weird. Yeah. I've always thought that that's a little weird. But if you're a Ducks fan, that's a good time to get some, like, prime merch. 
some cool Prime merch. Yeah. Yeah. For the NFL, I don't want to do this. I just don't want to go here because all I have are signings. No, I also have an arrest. I have signings and an arrest. I also have draft trades. Which just sounds worse than a signing to me, but <laughs> let's uh, get into it, I suppose. Where do you want to start? With not doing this, but I'll settle for the Jacksonville Jaguars have signed QB CJ Bethard. Bethard? Boy, you're covering the weird ones. I'm excited to hear these. To a two-year, $5 million deal plus incentives. I don't know this one, so I don't know why it's weird, but... He's just a guy that is a guy. Oh, it's $5 million. That sounds like a lot of money. Yeah. Apparently it's not. We've reached that point. You had Damian Williams, who has signed a deal with the Chicago Bears for a one-year contract. He had opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID concerns because his mother was fighting stage four cancer at the time. But he was a running back that scored six times in the playoff push for the 2019 championship Kansas City Chiefs. So he's a pretty good running back. I'm excited to see what he brings. Obviously having a year off, you never know what well, what and happens. you don't know what he did with his year. Right. So, like, he could have been working out every day and he staying on top of his been diet. He playing Call of Duty, for all we know. That is a workout. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and LT Donovan Smith have agreed to terms on a two-year, $31.8 million extension. The Bucks did a lot of signing this past week. I don't know if you have the others, but... I have that one. Okay, well... This deal will keep him through the 2023 season and now includes $30 million guaranteed over the next couple of seasons. If that comes just from the extension monies, that's like 99% of his extension money got guaranteed. And it's a combination of his previous contract as well. Oh, okay. That's still a lot of guaranteed money. Yeah. The Bucks also re-signed Nagama... Gosh, I knew I was going to butcher this. Adama Kasu, there we go, got it out just fine that time, to a one-year $9 million contract. Also, the Bucks re-signed Leonard Fournette to a one-year $4 million contract. This now means the Bucks have re-signed 21 of the 22 core players that were involved in their championship this past season. Who for are next they season. missing? Antonio Brown, the helmet guy. Why? No, they we, just haven't signed him yet? or they, just They just haven't signed him yet. There's talks going, but... He was good, but he wasn't as good as I think they expected him to be. So maybe he won't land in the land of Tampa Bay again. I feel like the fact that he's helmet guy, he needs to get less money. (laughs) You also had the Green Bay Packers re-signing CB Kevin King to a one-year $6 million contract, which apparently is not a lot of money. Also, the Packers re-signed their tight end Mercedes Lewis to a two-year $8 million contract. Five million of that will be guaranteed. So pretty good chunk of it. The Chiefs have re-signed wide out. Is that a correct position? Uh, he's a wide receiver, but the position of wide receiver that he plays is the wide out. Okay. So yes. Demarcus Robinson to a one-year contract. The monies were not discussed on the article I read. The Ravens also signed this week Sammy Watkins, a one-year $6 million deal. Sammy Watkins was a part of the Chiefs team for the last two years as well. A couple players from the Chiefs organization just kind of finding new homes. 
And his deal has $5 million guaranteed, apparently. Yeah. Which sounds like way too much to be guaranteed. Considering it's for one year and it's only $6 million yeah. normal contract. Very high ratio. One of the other big signings this week was Carlos Dunlap. He re-signed with the Seattle Seahawks for a two-year $16.6 million contract. $8.5 million of that is guaranteed. And the last signing I have is that the New York Giants have signed former Titans CB Adore Jackson to a three-year, $39 million contract. Adore Jackson. I'm pretty sure there's an accent on one of those E's, but okay. Yeah. Any more signings from you? No, but that contract is got some interesting stipulations as well. 26.5 guaranteed includes incentives that boost his pay up to 44.5 million if he checks all the boxes. Could be a pretty nice payday. I don't think anyone checks all the boxes on incentives. Yeah. But that's all the signings. Yay, we're done. Can we be done? With the signings anyways. With the NFL. No, not quite. Oh, dang. I think I'm going to insert a funny piece of news that I found that I forgot I had. The Washington football team is considering keeping the name. (laughs) I haven't heard that yet, but... The team president, Jason Wright, said that a significant portion of the team's fan base has grown to prefer the name, so they're considering keeping it. I'm like, no, you're just being cheap. That's what's happening. You want to do a cheap rebranding, and you don't want to come up with, like, new mascots and crap. Well, I can tell you there might be a reason. So the Washington football team uh, majority owner, Dan Snyder, has an agreement to buy out the remaining owners, which would cost him a little over $350 million. The buyout makes him the sole owner and required him to buy out the remaining 40.5% of ownership that was split between the other two partners in the ownership organization. Okay. So uh, maybe that's why they're not trying to rebrand a rebrand, because they'd have to spend even more money. That's just dumb. Yeah. And then the Dolphins got a little crazy this week with some trades. So the Dolphins traded their number three pick to the 49ers for the 12th pick in the upcoming draft. The Dolphins received the 49ers first round picks for the 22 and 23 drafts as well. In turn, they immediately after that traded their number 12 pick to the Eagles for the number sixth and 156th pick that the Eagles had in this year's draft. 156? Yep. The 6th and the 156. So the Dolphins picked up both picks by giving up the 12th. But the Eagles also received the 123rd pick in this draft, as well as the 2022 first round draft pick that they received from the 49ers. I hate this crap. Yeah. I literally don't like any of this stuff. And it's only going to get worse because the draft is still about 30 days out, but that's where the Dolphins are now. They went from the 3rd to the 12th to the 6th for the first round anyways. And then, of course, we have our Deshaun Watson update. Do we have to? Because it wouldn't be a week of news without Deshaun Watson news. It could be. So last week we left you guys with a whopping 8 or 10 accusations, roughly, of... Uh, it was definitely in the double digits of sexual week. harassment and sexual assault accusations. He has rounded the number up to a good 14 now as of the, this past Friday. The NFL also decided to open its own investigation into these accusations from the past few weeks as well so that they can come up with what punishments if they need to internally come down upon Deshaun Watson within the NFL not only is he being investigated by police, he's also being investigated by the NFL. So He should be. Yep. 
The last piece of NFL news that I have is that the New Orleans Saints cornerback Marshawn Lattimore was arrested on Thursday in Cleveland on suspicion of possessing a stolen gun. I read a little bit about this. The article I found didn't have enough information to warrant me like typing everything up. So He was subsequently charged with a fourth degree felony on receiving a stolen firearm on Friday. So here's the lowdown. He and a bunch of his buddies were in a car driving somewhere with the taillights out. So they got pulled over. Turned out the driver, who was not this football player, but one of his friends, had a firearm and it was improperly placed or it was out in the open. So the cop just pulled everyone out of the car, searched everyone. All of them had weapons. Every single person in the car had a gun on them. And the one that they found on Lattimore was stolen. Lovely. I don't know... Why everyone had a gun, that's suspicious to me, but... It is New Orleans. I mean, it's not like it's the south side of Chicago, but... It's pretty bad there. Moving into the MLB, I only have three things of news, and it's all player health. Okay. So you had Zach Gallen, who was diagnosed on Tuesday with a hairline stress fracture of his right forearm. They're currently unsure of the timeline for his return due to this being an uncommon injury in the MLB. At least six weeks, I'm assuming. I guess we'll find out. I'm going to say this name wrong and you're going to correct me and that's just how it's going to happen. Eloy Jimenez? Jimenez? You are so from Oklahoma. It makes me so happy for you. White Sox Eloy Jimenez. Will be out up to six months with a pec injury and it doesn't sound fun. A ruptured pectoral tendon, so... He suffered a ruptured left pectoral tendon on Wednesday. Yeah. The injury occurred when he was trying to rob a home run from going over the outfield wall. And he basically jumped up and was reaching over the wall. And as he came back down, he caught under his like armpit area on the fence, which normally you will pull your arm back over the fence and avoid that being a thing. But because he got caught on the fence, he just basically was just like all the pressure was right there on his pectoral muscles and tendons. So yeah, it's not a pretty injury for a baseball player to have considering like swinging a bat involves the full range of muscles in that area. So he's going to be out for a while. No, thank you. Yeah. That just like... It hurts. I would imagine even like breathing probably is painful with an injury like that. Everything hurts. Yeah. And then the last player injury that I have is Luke Voigt will miss at least the first month of the regular season after an MRI revealed a torn meniscus in his left knee. He has elected to have surgery on the knee. He's going to have it in New York. He's not from New York, so he's going to have to fly out for this surgery, apparently. He is expected to go three weeks without any baseball activity, and that doesn't feel like enough time to me. A lot of these guys get, like, that super, like, I'm a professional athlete medicine treatment, though. So, like, there's things that you and I could never afford to try to recover from something like this. Where, like, modern medicine's like, we can do these magical things now that a nobody else can afford. A meniscus in three weeks. I'm sorry. No. Even if they got to have the surgery the day after it happened, that is not enough time. That's a major joint. I would never... But it's all the injuries I have. If we want to stay on the subject of things like injuries and COVID-19, we can hop over to COVID-19 because it was a pretty successful week again when it came to tests there. Only two players and two staff members tested positive this past week. They ran a total of 13,978 tests. 
giving a positive percentage of 0.03%. So, That's good. Yeah. Uh, the numbers are down when it comes to total test numbers just because some players are already heading back to their cities since the season starts on April 1st. So, But my favorite news this week to come out of the MLB is the Kung Fu Panda is back in the major leagues in the starting lineup position. Pablo Sandoval makes his Braves opening day roster after his worst career season last season with a 214 batting average, which is You bad. want it to be lower. No, bigger. Higher. Yes, yeah. Those were the two options. Yeah, a good batting average is usually somewhere in the 500. Well, that's a freaking amazing batting average. <laughs> it doesn't really happen outside of college baseball ever. Uh, for that matter, really, even high school baseball. But yeah, no, his usually a 300, 350 range is where you want to be in most instances. Oh, okay. So, but in darker news, I guess, in the world of sports, Cubs minor leaguer Jesus Camarago was found with 21 pounds of meth and 1.2 pounds of oxycodone. When he was arrested this week. Okay. But that's a lot. Yeah. Like, I don't... This is going to come across weird, but, like, you hope he's selling it, right? You hope that's not all supposed to be, like, personal use? Because that's (laughs) way too much. Yeah. He's being brought up in charges. I believe it was in Colorado that he was pulled over with that in his team duffel bag coming back from spring training. Who's that stupid? Clearly him. Yeah. As it turns out. And then I only have one signing this week. The Astros re-signed Lance McCullers Jr. to a five-year $85 million contract extension. So that's quite a bit of money. I know in baseball, there's less million-dollar contracts than most sports. I would say them and the NHL are usually the lowest when it comes to those types of terms. In the world of the NBA, I don't have a lot. But I don't know if it's just because I don't care or there's actually not a lot going on. Probably don't care because it was trade deadline week this week, so... That's probably why I have almost nothing. (laughs) But the Toronto Raptors head coach Nick Nurse was fined $50,000 for throwing his face mask behind the scorer's table and toward the spectator stands. The incident occurred at the end of the Raptors' loss to the Utah Jazz on March 19th. Ty Ford Mary, but in a basketball coach. Also this week, the Rockets ended their franchise record of a 20-game losing streak by defeating the Toronto Raptors. The Rockets won 117-99. To the Raptors, I'm sorry that you are the team that had to end that run because... We're going to have it with the Buffalo Sabres at some point. Yeah, we're we're up there in that 20-game count almost now, so yeah. But also this week, we lost a legend of the game. Lakers legend Elgin Baylor has passed away at the age of 86 due to natural causes, not COVID, not due to some like other health conditions. So he I went, mean, at least it's that, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's the positive on it. Uh, he played his entire 14-year career with the Lakers. Uh, he was one of the organization's really true first greats. So, like, before Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and all those other players that made the Lakers very famous. He won Rookie of the Year in 1959. He was an 11-time All-Star and was selected to the All-NBA First Team 10 times in his career. So, definitely a top-flight player for that organization. Yeah. But he will be missed, obviously. The Miami Heat is going to open vaccinated-only sections for fans on April 1st. I actually support this. Two sections in the lower bowl will be dedicated to just vaccinated fans. They are the first NBA team to announce a plan for vaccinated fans, but masks are still required even for them. Yeah. 
Which, makes which sense. I appreciate because just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't be a typhoid Mary and just spread everything. Obviously, I would imagine that like if you're eating food and stuff, the masks are okay to be off because otherwise you're like doing one of these, pulling the mask out and stuffing your face. I've never seen anyone do that ever. I don't think that's a normal thing <laughs> that people think to do. So you just probably just hang the mask off the one ear and eat your food and then put yes. the mask back on when you're done. And then you get to smell your food on your breath for the rest of the game. I don't think that's a bad thing if the just food's good. Just eat before or after. Yeah. The Cleveland Cavaliers have officially reached a buyout agreement with Andre Drummond. He will become an unrestricted free agent once he clears waivers. But he hasn't played in an NBA game since February 12th. Because yeah. they just filled in his slot with another player who they wanted to give more time to. Yeah. Which is probably why he wanted to leave. It's probably one of the main reasons. But I don't know why he wasn't traded. Because players didn't, or teams didn't want to trade for him when they know they can sign him for the veteran minimum. So if they traded for him, they'd have to eat his entire contract. So. And longtime broadcaster Dick Stockton retired after a 55-year career. He was CBS's lead NBA voice for nine years, and he spent time with Fox, CBS, and NBC doing multiple different sports broadcasting. That's all that I have, but I know you probably have more NBA news. Yeah, we had one injury that was really prominent this week. Uh, Pacers TJ Warren will be out for the remainder of the season with a stress fracture in his left foot. He was jumping up to block a shot, successfully blocked the shot and passed the ball, but then came down awkwardly and left the game after that play. So he had to be helped off the court just because, you know, when you have a fracture in your foot, you really can't put any weight on it. So fun times. Yeah, that's rough. But it was also the week of the trade deadline, so boy oh boy, we have some fun ones this week. The player LaMarcus Aldridge was also bought out uh, this week by his organization, San Antonio Spurs. The Nets immediately then signed him to a one-year deal at the veteran minimum. So the Nets now, combined when it comes to all-star game appearances, have over 41 all-star appearances with just four players on their roster from just those four players alone. Which is crazy. Yeah. The Utah Jazz won their 18th straight home game, though, this week on Friday against the Memphis Grizzlies, bringing their season record to 33-11. and The Utah Jazz doing things in the middle of the United States. Um, but getting back on track to the trade deadline, you had the Dallas Mavericks. They traded for J.J. Redick and Nicolo Melli from the No Pelicans. Pelicans received James Johnson, Wes Uwindu, and a 2021 second-round pick. One of the biggest trades this week, though, was the Rockets trading Victor Oladipo. He was part of that James Harden trade earlier this year that uh, had Levert go to the Pacers, the one that had cancer and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he's already on the move again. The Rockets received Avery Bradley, Kelly Olnick, and a 2022 first-round draft pick. So they made out all right, I feel like. Some good players and a good draft pick, so. I just never like picks involved in trades, but... That's because it gets too confusing sometimes, like that one before. Yeah. Atlanta Hawks traded Rajon Rondo to the Clippers. I, I actually like this trade just because Rajon Rondo is, I like to call him like a floor captain. That's the way he plays the game. Like he can, he makes the ball move around flawlessly across the court. Like he's very good at passing, very good at just ball control uh, on the game. Okay. So the Hawks ended up acquiring Lou Williams in that trade and two later to be named second round picks. The Blazers traded for Norman Powell from the Raptors. The Raptors received Gary Trent and Rodney Hood in that trade. So no picks in that one, just players. Yeah. 
The Magic traded away Nikola Vucevic and Al Farouk Aminu to the Chicago Bulls. In return, the Magic received Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and two first-round draft picks. There would be the 21 and 23 first-round draft picks of the Chicago Bulls. I think I'm excited to see what Vucevic brings to the team. I don't know that we got the better end of that deal. I feel like we got shortchanged a little bit, but we'll see how it all works out. Hopefully the GM knows what he's doing. You would hope. Yeah. But that's all the NBA news I have. And it was kind of a slow week in the soccer world, unless you have some MLS news. I do, but it's also kind of slow. Okay. So the 2021 MLS schedule is up now. You can find it on the internet. Hooray. And also the Seattle Sounders have released a Jimi Hendrix inspired kit for the next MLS season. The Sounders 21-22 away shirt celebrates the life and career of the 1960s rock legend. And it's in purple. It's okay. I'm not super impressed. Still pretty cool though. Yeah. Well, he's from there. Or his family is from there. I think he's from there. Yeah. That's cool. What about you? Any MLS news from you? No, and soccer news this week, it's all been qualifying games for Euros or for the Olympics and that kind of stuff. So it's international break. It can be exciting, but this week was kind of blasé, I guess is the best word for it. Did we qualify? Did who qualify? You said it was the qualifiers. Did we qualify? They're still going on, so no. Oh. We don't know yet. We're in the second game of qualifiers. There's usually about eight, so. That's a lot of qualifiers. Jeez. Well, you play each team twice, and there's four teams per table, so not really. Sounds like a lot. Either way, uh, they continue to go on today. Germany will be playing Romania today. I am wearing my Germany jersey. I'm ready for some qualifying soccer games, so I'm excited for that. But that's pretty much it for sports this week, guys. That was really short soccer. Yep. Once people actually qualify for things, we might be able to discuss it. Right. So we thank you guys for listening this week. There will not be an episode the week after this one comes out, but we will see you in two weeks. And pay attention to the social media because we still will be posting on there for things. So. And all of that will be linked in the show notes. Bye, guys. Bye.